0: Stay on the porch, blow the whistle At Buckets episode 123 coming at you from the valley on a beautiful Thursday afternoon, early evening, and loads of MMA action to break down. Another paper event, pay per view event this weekend, early Saturday because it's a London card. March Madness, UFC, you can't beat it. But before we talk MMA, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at Business at Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. So it's a new year and summer is right around the corner. That means less clothing and bathing suit days on the water. Summertime will be here before you know it, so get your summertime shine with fueled supplements, advanced thermogenic and feel-good formula Showtime. Showtime contains the only two clinically tested and patented ingredients scientifically proven to enhance thermogenesis. And besides fat burning, Showtime also increases energy, boosts mood, provides a sense of euphoria, suppresses appetite, enhances mental clarity, focus, and concentration. So for all optimal results, stack with counterattack and get yours exclusively at fueledsupplements.com. Again, you're going into the summer, you're trying to get fit, you're trying to look right. Instead of going into GNC, ordering on Amazon, check out fueledsupplements.com. Use my promotion code buckets for 15% off while doing it. And you're helping small business because that's what it's all about. And uh, what a, what a week it's been! I have finally had my hosting duties come to an end. My my cousins left Tuesday. Had a really good weekend uh, seeing my first WBC baseball event, Mexico, Mexico, and USA. Although USA got got their ass beat, uh, they are at a pool play uh, playing Venezuela in Miami this weekend. Should be an amazing game. Venezuela looking stacked. And just the environment, the World Cup environment, all of Mexico going off, all the of USA, uh, really, really fun. Wish the USA team would have won or had a better appearance, but you can't hate it. It was still an awesome experience. I've never witnessed anything like that before in person. And uh, saw some other spring training games, had a good time. Uh, got a Vladimir Guerrero-signed baseball bat, his Hall of Fame edition. Pretty stoked to put that on my memorabilia display but yeah, I mean, um, you know, having family come here into the new house, um, going to a bunch of spring training, that's what the, the Arizona in, living is all about. So I'm not mad about it, excited for baseball season to start up. Villanova's out of the tournament, my favorite team. They were in the NIT, got bounced early. Their best player's not playing because of uh, wanting to go to the NBA draft. And, uh, you know, day one of March Madness, I'd say my bracket's already busted, I had Arizona in the Final Four. Um, I had Virginia in the, I want to say Elite Eight. So, yeah, not looking very good on the bracket. If yours is, cheers to you. But enough of that nonsense. Let's talk MMA. There's been a lot of fights that have been announced. We got Devin Clark uh, versus Alir. Oh, no. I messed that up. We have Alir uh, Latifi versus Rodrigo Nas... No, that's not even right either. Hmm. Interesting. Let's look real quick. I think we already announced the Devin Clark, Kennedy, and Shukwu. Then we have Nas I remember that being a good fight, though. Rodrigo... Fighting somebody. Yep, so we got Nascimento fighting Ilir Latifi May 20th. That'll be a fight night card. Should be a good affair. We also have Amir Al-Bazi versus Car of France June 3rd. I am actually super fired up about that matchup. Um, we can see really how good Amir is. And Kaikar of France looking to rebound from his loss to Brandon Moreno. We have Nate the Train getting a new opponent as Alex Caceres had pulled out. We have Nate the Train, Weir versus Austin Lingo happening next weekend on March 25th. Also in the flyweight division, Tim Elliott versus Alan Nascimento, June 3rd. uh, A really fun uh, affair in the flyweight division. Jasmine Jusudavish, Jusudavish, Um, versus Miranda Maverick, UFC 289, another once uh, pretty hyped-up prospect in the women's division. Speaking of hyped-up prospects, we got Emily Ducate, Pollyanna Viana, April 29th. I'm sure there'll be lots of press on that fight. Eric Anders taking on Marc-Andre Barriolte, UFC 289. Both guys coming off uh, wins. Drew Dober, the Iron Chin, is back, taking on Matt Fravola. Uh, UFC 288 and then these aren't fully official but seem to be pretty much a done deal we have Renato Moicano and Armen Sukarian uh, uh, April 29th which will be the main event and then rumored UFC 290 which is international fight week John Jones Stipe Miocic potentially his last bout for both fighters Alexander Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez as the co-main Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee too. Aliyah Topuria, Movsar Evloev, and Bo Nickel versus Trayshawn Gore. All these matchups, I mean, it's international fight week. It's as good as it gets. I, I thought I was going to plan on going and realized I'll be in Seattle for the MLB All-Star Weekend. So bummed to be missing that. Unless I wanted to do this and then high to Seattle on Sunday. That seems like a lot. Um but all but the John Jones fights are verbally agreed in the works, not official, but John Jones, Stipe Miochik, it's going down. The battle um, of the, one of the best heavyweights of all time and the GOAT, the present GOAT John Jones. And we'll break this down further, but Rafael Assuncao and, uh, um, officially announces retirement. Elsewhere in MMA, Alistair Overeem suspended one year for a failed drug test This will have his glory win overturned against Bader. And we had Bellator 292. Did not get to watch much of it. But Benson Henderson retires after a first round round loss to Usman Nurmagomedov via rear naked choke. So two legends. Asuncel, Benson Henderson announcing retirement. And we'll we'll pull up these guys. Some of my favorite athletes in the sport. Legendary careers. Uh, We also had... Alexander Shabli defeat Tofik Musayev via round two K- TKO. Uh, Shabli is really solid. I like Tofik Musayev a lot. Um, I-, I was a little shocked by this one. And then Michael Page defeating Goydi Yamuchi via round one t- uh, knockout. But Usman moves on. Shabli moves on in the lightweight Grand Prix. Nurmagomedov looking like a force uh, to finish Britson Henderson. Round one is not easy. Speaking of Benson Henderson, I mean, one of the MMA lab guys that has developed the MMA lab to what it is in today, he beat Peter Queeley, Islam Mamedov recently in Bellator, lost to Brent Primus, Michael Chandler, um, still in Bellator, beat uh, Miles Jury, Roger Huerta, lost to Patricky Pitbull and Chandler again, beat Patricio Pit- Pitbull in UFC, beat Jorge Masvidal, lost to RDA... Rafael Dos Anjos and Donald Cerrone um, lost to Anthony Pettis beat Gilbert Melendez beat Nate Diaz beat Frankie Edgar twice in early 2012 when he was a, an amazing fighter and this was for the lightweight championship I mean Henderson was fighting for the championship in 2012 the 10 years later still a force beating some good guys in Bellator beat Clay Guida beat Jim Miller Beat Cerrone twice, lost to Pettis. So he fought Cerrone three times, beat him twice, lost once. I mean, come on now. Uh, his final record, 30 and 12. What a legend, Benson Henderson. 2012 fight of the year, 2009 fight of the year against Pettis and Cerrone. Had some wars. When we look at his son Sal, you know, obviously finished his career with some losses. Lost to Ricky Simone, good young up-and-coming talent, Cody Garbrandt, Corey Sanhagen, Marlon Marais. Beat Rob Font, beat Marlon Marais, beat Aljo, lost to TJ Dillashaw, beat Pedro Munoz, beat TJ Dillashaw. Lost to Uriah Faber. I mean, came from the WEC, battled some big names, came into the UFC, was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, even beat Jorge Vidal way back in 2005 in full throttle promotion. Never even heard of that. Legendary careers. Bravo, Rafael. Bravo, Benson Henderson. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the, the, the Business at Pot- Buckets podcast network is about to rebrand. I'm going to have the Antelope Canyon backdrop, new backdrop next episode. And as uh, the MMA version grows, I would love to have Benson Henderson on the podcast. He means a lot to the MMA region here in Phoenix. Lots to come this year. Stay fucking tuned. All right, so UFC Fight Night Vegas. It was at the Virgin Hotels. Almost seemed like a Bellator event. Dabner is as quiet, if not more quiet, um, than what you see in the apex, so kind of interesting situation. At least it wasn't in the apex, but still an interesting vibe. Probably the worst card I've ever done on picks. I went one for eight, put money behind a lot of dogs, and the dogs, uh, you know, that they got shut down. They got sent home. But nice wins in some fights we didn't break down. Josh Fremd with a second-round submission via guillotine choke over Cedricus Dumas, Dana White Contender Series alum. And then Vitor Petrino... With the unanimous decision on Anton Tercali, which was fight of the night. The scrambles, the 50-50 situations, the back and forth. Wild, wild fight. A very raw Vitor Petrino. Nice win for him. We're going to kick it off in the prelims. Bruno Silva with a second round submission via rear naked choke over Tyson Nam. Performance of the night. And really the story in this fight for me was just the quick hands that Bruno had. Um, he was able to stay patient. Tyson will kind of stalk you down on the idea of you punching to get off the cage and then he'll counter strike. Uh, but he was very patient. Pickachos' battles had an amazing front kick right up the fucking pipe, right on the chin in round two that, that really rocked Tyson Nam. And I'm honestly sh- shocked it didn't knock him out. But he was able to, to get on top of him, land a couple grounded pounds, find his neck, get the finish. Very impressive win for Bruno. One of his best thus far in his MMA career. And a tough loss for Tyson Nam. You know, life of a counter-striker sometimes. But as good as Tyson's looked, even though he's older, Bruno looking even better. One of the Brunos of many Bruno Silvas. Again, $50,000. Bravo for the flyweight. Statistically, Nam only landed 12 total and significant strikes. Bruno landed 27 total 23 of those significant had the submission attempt, the knockdown, and was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. So where do these gents go? I I would say Tyson starts a new losing streak at, or well, he starts a new losing streak at 1 and 2, and is 1 and 2 since 2021. So since the start of 2021, hasn't been very active. Definitely been struggling. Needed to win here, and Bruno's on a three-fight winning streak since 2021 so hasn't been super active either but he enters the ranking at number 15 you got a number next to your name fifty thousand dollars what a good weekend in the office so what's next well for bruno i would love to see him fight suma uh suma uh who was he was once scheduled to fight but it didn't happen so uh that would make a ton of sense as someone higher in the rankings of him to gear olin bekov he, he already lost two so That seems like the appropriate matchup stylistically would be a ton of fun. And for Tyson, David Dvorak, uh, a guy who's on a little tough skit as well. Very uh, intriguing prospect, though. I think that would be an awesome stylistic matchup. Either way, I'll be tuning in when these two guys step in the octagon. And what a showing here. Arian Lipsky, unanimous decision over J.J. Aldrich. And... This fight was just quite different than I I, I I saw it playing out. You know, JJ wasn't as aggressive. She's usually the one pushing the pace. She's usually the one looking to get the takedowns. And Ariane controlled the, the you know, the Queen of Violence was in the center controlling it, pushing the pace, landing shots, you know, had a little bit of a reach advantage and really shut down J.J.'s attack early on where she didn't feel comfortable closing that gap because she was getting picked apart on the outside. And she really even had good takedown defense as well. J.J. did try with some takedowns. She was able to find her balance, get up against the cage, uh, push her off, get a whizzer, whatever the situation was. And I haven't seen her done that at a high clip before, so very, very impressed with Ariani Lipski's full performance here. Uh, statistically, she did work. She landed 113 total strikes, 101 of those were significant. She was 2 for 2 in takedown attempts of her own. And JJ only landed 56 total, almost, you know, half of those strikes, 49 of those 56 were significant, and she was 0 for 12 in takedown attempts. That's what I'm saying, the Queen of Violence becoming more well-rounded, trains that top team looking really good, she could be a problem. So she starts a new winning streak. She is two and two since 2020. So not very active herself, but needs to. You know, she's got to get a good bit of momentum. Uh, I would expect her to be fighting here early in the summertime. And JJ extends her losing streak to two. For Ariani, I think Jillian Robertson would be a fantastic matchup. Someone who's also going to look to grapple. And JJ, I think she could square up with Montana De La Rosa, who just recently lost. Um, I'm surprised they haven't even, you know, matched up before. Those would be great fights to make in the women's division. And then we had Victor Henry with a split decision over Tony Gravely. And as much as I was knocking Henry in his last bout, I wasn't, you know, I think I picked him. He wasn't very aggressive. The volume wasn't there. And he went to the basics and got out his his, his gloves to get his hands dirty. The volume and pace that Henry had in this fight was next level against a guy who has a wrestling background that, you know, over time has shown very good cardio, and he just took him really deep into the ocean, dragged his ass down where he could not fight back. And I thought this was the best Victor Henry we've seen thus far in the octagon. Uh, Victor landed 190 total strikes. 154 of those were significant. Two submission attempts and a reversal of his own. Tony landed 90 total 75 of those significant and had three takedowns and 17 attempts uh sloppy takedowns you know tired takedowns looking to to just get away from the hands of victor because he was all over him i mean victor landed a hundred more strikes in a three round bout I, i i couldn't believe it and he looked like he was fresh ready to continue against a guy that's got great cardio so very very impressed um Victor starts a new winning streak. He has two and one since entering the USC from Risen. And Tony extends his losing streak to two. He has two and two since 2022. Has been active. You know, got a loss, got a win, got a loss, got a win. So tough up and down, but I'm sure we'll see him back. So Davy Grant just fought. How about Henry? Davy Grant, that seems like the fight to make, especially with both of them fighting on this card. Davy said he's ready sooner than later. Uh, I would love to see that matchup soon. And for Tony, he can fight Chad Anning- Aneliger. I think that'd be a good matchup for him. Moving on, we did have Davey Grant with a third round submission via inverted triangle choke. You know, me just getting into jujitsu, I've been hosting for the past few weeks, so I haven't really been going. Need to, need to get back on my routine. But I'm watching this and I'm like, how in the hell... Especially in the third round, as tired as you are, do you even in your mind think, oh, I can potentially get this. He locks it. And all of a sudden, Rafael, is son Sal, is sleeping. And that earns him performance of the night, deservedly so. But I was pretty bullish on Rafael, who I believe was an underdog in this fight. And, you know, watching it back, Rafael was in control of this fight the first two rounds. And I think had it two to zero. I think it was easily... Uh, 2018 going into round three and in round three, Davey landed a big head kick. Um, you know, knowing he was down, especially because things got even more interesting is when a Sun South seemed to be in a good position. Grant got a point deduction because of grabbing the fence. He'd been grabbing on the fence. all fight. Finally, the the ref said, Hey, we're going to get a point deduction, but they split them up. They did not give a Sun South a position, which, Really is interesting because it really dictated the the end of this fight. You put him back into that position. A is probably not going to sleep, and Davy Grant's not landing a huge head kick, and then a bit a uh, uh, big spinning back fist a couple strikes later, and, and really messed up a Sal where Davy was able to get on position somehow, lock in that wild triangle choke. And when you think of a triangle choke, usually you're down on your back in guard. You have someone on top of you you get the legs locked where you have an arm close to the head and you're cutting the circulation off to where if they don't tap they're going to go to sleep so the way it happened was in a scramble position where Raphael was in between the legs of davy he was somehow while his chest was down squeezed Raphael while his chest was down in a weird leg concoction and he didn't even realize what was going on but the judge even took a while, was trying to say, Raphael, how are you doing? What's going on? Realized he was straight sleeping, catching Zs. What a fucking situation. was awesome to see. Uh, that's what the beauty of jujitsu jitsu is. You never know. It's a chess match. It's wild. You get 50-50. You get crazy, you know, scrambling positions, and uh, that can happen. So um, I'm going to try that tomorrow in class. I'm just kidding. Um, statistically, Davey landed 80 total strikes, 65 significant. He had that submission attempt and a knockdown and Rafael had landed 67 total strikes, 42 of those significant, and he had five takedowns and 12 attempts. I thought he looked really good for how old he is. Forget how old he is. Let's see. He's definitely in his forties, I think. Uh, yep. 40 years old at 40 years old. I was massively impressed. I know because he's lost a lot. A guy like that, who has you know basically been a title contender, you don't want to keep losing, and it's over. Probably not worth it. You know, hopefully he's fine financially because he can still fight and still fight at a high level. And I, I was really impressed. And you know, me giving these predictions, I want to follow through, and it looked, looked great till it didn't. That's the the beauty of fighting. Um, Davy ext- extends his winning streak to two. And Rafael retires going one in five in his last six fights since 2019. So definitely a tough stretch against really good opponents, though. Got to give him that credit. So again, that's uh, Rafael's career. We already talked about that on the top. For Davy, I think Victor Henry would be a fantastic fight. Both looked great. Um, let's make it happen sooner than later. Why not? And then moving into the main card, we had Mario Batista. The only fight I got right with a first round submission via rear naked choke over uh, Guido Canetti. And I mean, Mario Motherfucking Batista is showing his jujitsu is the real deal. He trains here in Phoenix at the MMA lab with a bunch of fucking soldiers. And as you know, before previewing this fight, I said he deserves to fight higher quality talent. No offense to Guido. You know, he's 43 years old. He looked good, still shredded, in great shape, is a warrior. But he is making slight work of his opponents, not taking many shots, and um, just making it look seamless. I mean, putting on a fucking jujitsu jitsu clinic. Watch some film of Mario Batista. This guy is on the rise. He's not even 30 years old yet. It only took up five total strikes, landed three significant. He had three takedowns and four attempts and the submission attempt. And uh, Guido only landed five total strikes, two of those significant, had a takedown of his own. But the, the mixing of shots to takedowns, his takedown attempts are quick. They're, they're slide-bys, they're smooth. And any mistake you get, he's going to find a way to that back. And he's pro- proven that. And, uh, you know, he's starting to get confidence. He's coming out of his shell a little bit. He, he called for Cody Garbrandt or uh and Figueredo. I'd be down for all those. I doubt he gets that that level of opponent. But bravo, Mario Batista. And if you don't know, now you fucking know. Tune the fuck in. Uh, Mario extends his winning streak to four. He moves to six and two in the UFC. Guido starts a new losing streak. He is two and one since 2022 for a 43-year-old man. He's been active. Um, What does make sense for Mario next? Again, I'd be shocked. Garbrat might make sense. I doubt Figueredo will happen. But if not, uh, Montel Jackson's got a nice winning streak. That would be a great matchup. And if Guido does continue to fight in the UFC at 43 fucking years old, Journey Newson would be the fight to make. But Mario, man, sheesh. Talking about sheesh, how about this young blood? Jonathan the Dragon Martinez with a unanimous decision over Saïd Nurmagomedov. And I said this fight would be super close. It's a 50-50 coin toss. And uh, I definitely think that was the case. Starting at round one, I had obviously picked Saeed. You know, you might think differently. Saeed was all over Jonathan. A lot of these guys that have the ability like Saeed, you had Zabit back in the day, they are so fucking dangerous in the first round. Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, these types of guys. But if you get them into the second, third round, when they're giving you the best that they have, they're exerting a lot of energy, it's a completely different fight. And I think this is the case that we saw in this fight because Saeed hasn't been tested that much. And uh, he had the speed advantage. He was doing his high kicks. He was doing anything that he wanted. And Jonathan was firing back with, with the kicks of his own. These guys both have savage kicks. I said if this would be a kickboxing matchup, it would be savagery. And that's really what happened. But then rounds two and three, I think Jonathan took over. And although it was a unanimous decision, this was still a tough, close fight. Um, I did give rounds two and three to Jonathan and round one to Saeed. But uh, round three was definitely interesting and a very, very close round. Um, But, you know, this is an amazing win for Jonathan. He is now in the rankings, he has a ton of potential. And I think until probably 2022, we really did not see Jonathan Martinez start to blossom. He was training with James Kraus. Now he trains with a different team. He's got a lot of different experiences. And I do think the, the, the his size for this division, he's going to be a problem. He's not going to be the fastest guy. He's not the tallest guy, but he's well-rounded. And he fucking showed, all, showed off and showed out. Statistically, Saeed landed 101 total strikes, 47 of those significant. He had three takedowns in nine attempts and two submission attempts. While Jonathan landed 78 total strikes, 38 of those significant, he had a submission attempt as well and went 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. Obviously, Saeed with a lot more volume, but a lot of that was round one where he clearly won and tapered down uh, towards the the rounds two and three. Uh, Jonathan extends his winning streak to five. He's on fire, and he moves it to the top 15 at number 14, Saeed has his four fight winning streak come to an end and he does start a new losing streak and exits the rankings. So Jonathan, overwhelmed with emotion in the post-fight interview, I think he has the past few times, again, I don't think he really has started getting confidence until last calendar year. and that's why he's so emotional is he keeps like almost shocking himself. He, he he's, doesn't have that killer instinct and belief in himself, but now he's getting it, and that's going to make you a, a, a bigger problem. If you walk into an octagon and say, oh, this is going to be tough, I don't know. You won't know. You'll get your ass kicked. you got to know and believe that you will beat someone in a war, a sport like this. Um, I would like him to see, why not give him another Nurmagomedov? He took on Saeed. Nobody wants to fight him. Take, Give him Umar, another one in the fam. I think that would be another amazing matchup. And for Saeed, how about the young Dana White Contender Series alum, Javid Basharat? Whoo! stylistically, grab you a popcorn, uh, grab your wine, grab your beer, whatever you got. That's going to be fun. Both matchups can't wait. The weight division stays amazing, stays with amazing competition and is on fire. Moving on to the light heavyweights, Nikita Krylov with a first round submission via triangle choke over Ryan Spann and... You know, Span came out hot. I mean, Superman Span is a big boy and possesses serious, serious knock-you-the-fuck-out power. He hit Span with that left jab that's just a straight jab like he did Dominic Reyes and shut his lights off, and and damn near TKO Nikita right out the gate. And uh, if you're Nikita, you feel that right away, and Ryan's coming out with some serious strikes, what's the best way to avoid that and get a win? Get the takedown, wear him out, That was what I said was going to be, would have to be the path to victory for the minor. And that's exactly what it was. The minor was able to wear it, put his hard hat on, get his gloves on, get to work. And he beat him in grappling, although both guys showed the wherewithal and good ability. But he was able to avoid the knockout power of Span, which makes him so deadly. Statistically, Nikita landed 24 total strikes, seven of those significant he had two takedowns, two submission attempts, and two reversals. It was great jujitsu on the bottom, uh, and uh, Nikita fi- found a way to um, land that triangle choke on his back, and uh, and Ryan tapped out fairly quickly. Ryan landed five total and significant strikes. He had a takedown and two attempts, a submission attempt, and two reversals of his own. So uh, pretty interesting round, uh, but great game plan by Nikita, and He's lucky he was able to wear that jab because it fucking touched him good. So Nikita, he's doing well, man. He doesn't get the love that a lot of other fighters get, but he has a winning streak increased to three. He stays at six in the rankings and Ryan has his two fight winning streak come to an end, starts a new losing streak. He has two and one since 2022 and moves down two spots in the rankings to number 10. So things get interesting for Nikita if Alexander Rakich could come back soon, that's got to be the fight to make. If not, um, I, I'm not too sure what's going to happen. He might need to let the division shake out a bit. And for Span, I think Paul Craig, the veteran, that would be a fun matchup. Good jiu-jitsu. Um, he, he's definitely improved his boxing, you know, in his older days. Uh, but that would be a lot of fun. Make it happen. Then the co event. Alexander Volkov with a first-round TKO over Alexander Romanov. And I don't have a lot to say about this one, to be honest, but Romanov looked out of shape. He's a young kid. He had been undefeated, suffered his first loss, and it seems like there might be some discipline issues going on or something, but he did not look like the deadly weapon we saw in his undefeated streak. He looked terrible. And uh, you're, you're fighting a very, very talented Volkov. You've got to be the best version of yourself, and that clearly wasn't it. He looked gassed after the takedown attempt. He didn't get it. You know, a, a minute in, it looked like Volkov was going to fucking, you know, uh, mop him up. But it only took Volkov 27 total strikes, 12 significant, and Romanov was over the golden egg and over for 5 in takedown attempts. I mean, back to the drawing board. Whoever is his coach needs to get in his ass. Volkov now extends his winning streak to 2. He has 4-1 since 2021. He has only lost to Tom Aspinall and Cyril Gunn uh, since, um, right, uh, well, he's 4-1 since 2021, so he's lost to those two since, like, 2019. Two amazing heavyweights. Volkov just doesn't get all the love, but he is a problem. He also moves up in the rankings one spot to number seven, and then Romanov extends his losing streak to two, his only two pro losses. And he moves down one spot into number 15. So for Volkov, I was kind of shocked these guys haven't matched up. Tied to Avassa went from barely ranked all the way up top real quick. Give me Tied to Avasa, Alexander Volkov. Tied coming off the loss to Gon. Volkov on a hot streak. That would be a, a perfect fight for Volkov. And for Romanov, Blagoj Ivanov is the fight to make. And see if he get back on track. If he looks like he does now big problems for mr romanov then the headliner how about the machine i'm hungry ah, he's fucking savage he's a tasmanian devil mirab dwaleshweeli with a unanimous decision over Pewter yan Pewter wanted it and he got it he got that in a bajillion takedowns rob uh, mirab dwaleshweeli with 49 takedown attempts the new UFC record for takedown attempts, and does he make it look easy? I challenge everyone right now to just go in their room and shoot 20 blast doubles. Try to shoot 40 blast doubles, let alone 49 blast doubles. I'd even say you could give yourself 15 minutes of rest. Not only that, but Murab also threw 202 strikes. I mean, this guy is a cardio fucking freak. The Georgians showing out, and that's going to be his game plan until someone could stop it. And this was the best version of that plan we had seen. And Pewter looked good. He, he defended takedowns. I had said he's really gotten good at that over and over and over. But when you have 49 blast doubles coming at you, plus 202 strikes in a three-round affair, good fucking luck. Uh, Pewter landed 87 total strikes, 75 of those significant. He was one for five in his own takedown attempts. And again... Mirab landed 202 total strikes. 147 of those were significant. 11 takedowns, 49 attempts. Again, lots of credit to Pewter for shucking 38 of those bad boys, but he still got taken down 11 times. He got beat up. That eye got pretty beat up. And uh, Mirab's right on his way for the title. He extends his winning streak to nine. He is nine and two since entering the UFC. He went 0 for two, now is on a nine fight winning streak. He moves into the number one contender uh, spot, and Pewter extends his losing streak to three, once a world champion due to a no contest, all this drama. Now he has a three-fight losing streak. He has won in four since 2021. He's fought the best of the best, but brutal fucking stretch. And he does move down two spots in the rankings to number four. So now the bantamweight division is very log jammed. Let's say Sean O'Malley does get the next title shot, like Dana White promised, whether Aljo pulls out for this fight against Henry or whether he gets the winner. If that's the case, I think Marab's going to fight again, which, he, you know, he doesn't want to fight Aljo for the title anyways. Aljo, you'd think, would get another title defense before moving up. But maybe he pulls out against uh, Henry, Aljo does, and and he just moves to 145 for Marab if Rob gets a title shot. You know that, That's a possibility. I, that's probably the lowest possibility. But I'm going to assume he fights again before the title shot, and he's going to get the winner of Marlon, Chito Vera, and Corey Sanhagen. And for Pewter, I think a matchup with Dominic Cruz is the perfect matchup, allows Dominic Cruz to get right back up in the mix where he probably wants to be to end his career. And uh, for Pewter, it's a very winnable fight. Um Either way, the fucking top of the bantamweight division is stacked. It's lock jam. Good luck figuring that shit out. Hopefully, we have uh, si- uh, signatures on the dotted line for the Henry Cejudo Aljo fight sooner than later. But what a showing by the machine! Ah! He's a he's a savage. So yeah, I went one and eight. Let's just forget that happened, and uh, we'll move on to UFC 286 in London at the O2. Early prelims on Fight Pass, 9 a.m. Pacific. Wake up, get your March Madness, get your UFC, grab your stogies, grab your breakfast, whatever the fuck you gotta do. A little smoking a pancake. That's going down. Prelims on ESPN2, primetime television, 11 o'clock Pacific. Main card 1 p.m. Pay per view. Let's get it. Um, some good fights. We will not be breaking down. Malcolm Gordon fights in the early prelims. Sam Patterson is making his Contender Series lightweight debut in the prelims. Those are fights uh, worth tuning into. But we're starting at the top in the early prelims. We get Juliana the Killer Miller, 26 years old with a 4-in-1 record, taking on Veronica Macedo, the 27-year-old fighter with a 6-4-in-1 record. And if you've watched The Ultimate Fighter, how could you not love you some Juliana Miller? Odds against her. She's a fucking savage. She goes in the ring with all on the line. And uh, I'm rooting for her. And she has some real ability and is still so young. So is Veronica. But here we get the ultimate fighter winner in her UFC debut against a young UFC veteran. She is young, but she has some fights under her belt. Really just looking for any type of success. So Juliana, obviously the ultimate fighter 30 champion. She is on a four fight winning streak and she is an Evicta alum. She is taking on Veronica, who trains out of the MMA factory. She has been back and forth from the flyweight and bantamweight divisions. She's on a one-fight losing streak and is a brutal one-four-and-one since 2016. Now, I think this fight is going to be closer than the odds give credit for, but Juliana has a very aggressive striking style, and that should work for her and it could also put her in bad situations as well. So it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. But I think her volume is going to be hard to handle for Veronica. For that reason, I'm taking Killer Miller, putting her on my parlay. We got to make up for last week. We marking that ish down and we get in that bread. Moving on, we got Jai, the black country banger. Herbert, 34 years old with a 12 and four record taking on. Ladovit, Mr. Highlight Klein, 28 years old with a 19-4 and four record. Now, this is a pretty awesome matchup to be in the early prelims. Two men have had a little bit up and down in their careers, but really have shown ability to be able to compete in this very deep, talented, lightweight division, which I've said over and over, I think, is the deepest with high-level talent and the top 10, the best talent on a UFC roster. I would go bantamweight next, and then it gets interesting from there. When we break it down, Ladova is a southpaw fighter. He's on a two-fight winning streak and is 3-2 and two in the UFC. Eight of his 19 wins are via knockout, eight via submission. So 16 of his 19 wins are via finish. And two of his four losses are via submission. Now, Jai is an orthodox fighter. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is a Cage Warriors alum and former champion. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-2 since 2021. He does have a a 4.5-inch reach advantage. Nine of his 12 wins are via knockout, and three of his four losses are via knockout, so to knockout or to be knocked out. Now, I think the Black Country banger's in for a banger. Jai definitely has more experience and has fought... I think better talented fighters in the roster. I believe his reach advantage and power is going to be too, mo- too much for the younger uh, Klein. I think he finds a way to get a decision victory. And I'm taking Jai Herbert. I'm putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Let's look at the odds. So Juliana is the favorite 460, barely parlayable And Jai Herbert's the dog. We're getting more dogs this week. Then we have Joanne Jojo Wood, 37 years old with a 15-8 record, taking on Luana Dread Carolina, 29 years old with an 8-3 record. Now, this is a matchup of a veteran looking to get back on the winning path versus a young woman entering her prime, Looking to make a name for herself in the UFC. And uh, that's always makes for interesting fights. Two ends of the spectrum. Now, Jojo has a Muay Thai uh, style. She trains at a syndicate MMA with her husband as the coach. She has a purple belt in BJJ. She is an ultimate fighter in Victa and Cage Warriors and alum. She's definitely one of the OGs of the women's UFC. She's a kickboxing, sport karate, Thai boxing, and Muay Thai champion in certain leagues. She's on a three-fight losing streak and hasn't won since January of 2021. She is three and five since 2019. Not very great, but has fought very good women. Five of her eight losses are via submission. She was the 2014 Fan Favorite Fighter of the Year and 2012 Newcomer of the Year. Luana has a blue belt in Muay Thai and BJJ. She is a Dana White Contender Series alum. She's on a one-fight losing streak. She is four and two in the UFC, and she has a three and a half-inch reach advantage. Now, I think JoJo's going to be the aggressor in this fight, and is definitely going to use her experience and coach game planning to eliminate Luana's length. I think you have to. I think she's going to look to take her down, get her up against the cage. Wear on her so that this isn't straight a kickboxing fight. Maybe tire her out and turn it into a kickboxing fight later. Although, you know, uh, JoJo's been up and down lately. I'm putting my money on uh, JoJo. She is the favorite. Uh, We're putting her on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on, we have Dusko Thunder Todorovic, the 28-year-old fighter with a 12-3 record taking on Christian Leroy Duncan, 27 years old, with a undefeated 7-0 record. Now, this is a fun fight with both men headed towards their primes, 28 and 27. They're looking to move up in a very good middleweight division. Meanwhile, Dusko, he's a Dana White Contender Series alum, and Christian is making his debut from the Cage Warriors promotion, where he's done very well. So Dusko's an orthodox fighter, he has a black belt in BJJ and Taekwondo. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 4-3 and three in the UFC. Eight of his 12 wins are via knockout. Two of his three losses are via knockout. So much like Jai to knock out or to be knocked out. Now, Christian is a Cage Warriors alum. He is undefeated and is on a seven-fight winning streak and five of his seven wins are via knockout. Now, I think Dusko has looked good in majority of his fights, but he's definitely fought a very tough gauntlet since he entered the UFC. I think that experience is going to pay dividends for him. Although Christian's done well in Cage Warriors, it's just not the same level of competition. I think he's going to find a way to win in a back uh, close back-and-forth affair, but I'm taking Dusko, who is the underdog you better watch out. Your boy's taking another dog. They're coming to eat. We put them on that parlay, and we get in that bread. Moving on. We got Lerone the Miracle Murphy, 31 years old with an undefeated 11-0 record, taking on Gabriel Moscutino Santos, 26 years old with an also undefeated 10-0 record. Now, Lerone is... Li- is definitely on a nice streak. He's going to be taking on a guy who is an LFA alum, making his featherweight debut. So a few do- debuters, pretty typical for international cards. When we break it down, Lerone is uh, trains out of. He has a blue belt in BJJ. Obviously, he's undefeated with an 11 fight winning streak. He had a draw in between, and seven of his 11 wins are via knockout. Has some serious power. Now, Gabriel is an undefeated, uh, fighter on a 10 fight winning streak. He is an LFA alum. And as I mentioned, Gabriel, uh, you know, is getting another, he's another guy making his debut, getting a tough fighter and, uh, getting someone who's definitely been through the gauntlet already. Leron is in his prime. He's got some nice wins recently. He hasn't fought since October of 2021 though. He pulled out, uh, on a fight, I, I want to say about a year ago, and he was originally supposed to fight Nathaniel Wood here, but Nathaniel Wood pulled out. So insert Gabriel. Because of that, I think this, um, you know, parlays into his advantage. I think he's going to be too much for the young Gabriel. I think he's going to stay undefeated. Let's see what the odds say. They don't even have odds for it yet. Well, I'm assuming he's favored. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking ish down. And we get that bird. All in the early prelims. Some good young talent. This is a great card to see this young talent. Some of this talent could be around for quite some time and could make names for themselves in the UFC. And they're like, oh, I know that guy. I watched him in the early prelims. Moving on to the prelims. We got Muhammad, the Punisher, Mokayev. 22-year-old fighter with a 9-0 record undefeated and a number 12 next to his name at 22 years old he's taking on hafel pastor filho the 29 year old fighter with a 14 and 2 record and really the impressive run from the young mokayev continues this time he is fighting a dana white contender series alum who is on a roll will it be too much for him well muhammad has a freestyle wrestling and submission grappling background. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He has an ADCC gold in the UK championships in 18 and 19. He is undefeated on a nine-fight winning streak. He had a draw in between. And four of his nine wins are via submission. Hafel is on a five-fight winning streak. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum. Eight of his 14 wins are via submission. Five via knockout. So 13 of his 14 wins are via finish which for a flyweight is massively impressive. And as, as impressive as Mokayev been, he's definitely had some challengers like a Charles Johnson. And I think Hafiel is going to put up a good contest. If this stayed standing on their feet, I think it would be even better matchup. But I doubt that it's even going to be a minute on the clock before Mokayev looks to get this to the ground, put the fight on the canvas, make it his wheelhouse. For that reason, I'm taking Muhammad, but Muhammad is minus 900 odds, so I will not put him on a parlay. Then we have Jack Tankshore, 28 years old with a 16-1 and record and the number 15 next to his name, taking on Makwan, Mr. Finland, Amir Khani, 34 years old with a 17-8 and record. I like Jack a lot, man. He's a very talented young fighter. He suffered his first loss recently. But also had to recover from a knee injury. He was supposed to fight uh, Kyler um, Kyler Phillips. Um, so that's a lot. First loss. How do you come from that? You're still young, not in your prime. Knee injury. He's come fairly quickly. So we'll see how he's ready. But um, he's getting a uh facing a man who's in his prime. Although he's in his prime, he's definitely struggled to get new thing, get some good things going in the UFC. So it's going to be a great matchup. Jack has a black belt in BJJ. He's a cage warriors alum and former champion. He's on a one fight losing streak. Eight of his 16 wins are via submission. And McQuan has a wrestling background. He's on a one fight losing streak as well. He's only one in three since 2021 and 12 of his 17 wins are via submission. So Jack's looking to get back in the winner's column, be where he thinks he, he deserves to be. Getting your confidence back, especially after this injury, is a huge huge thing for a fighter. And I think this may be a closer fight than, than it should be, but I expect Jack to find a way to win with the mix of his grappling and striking. We're going to take Jack Shore. He's a minus 590 favorite, so I will not be putting him on a parlay. Then we get the main card. What a fight to start the main card. We got Marvin, the Italian Dream Vittori. 29-year-old fighter with an 18-6-1 record and the number four next to his name, taking on Roman Dolidzi, 34 years old with a 12-1 record and the number nine next to his name. To be honest with you, looking at this, I was like, Marvin Vittori is only 29 years old? I mean, this guy has fought everybody, man. He has fought... Lost to Robert Whittaker in his last fight, which was late 2022. He beat Paula Costa, lost to Izzy, beat Kevin Holland, beat Jack Hermanson, beat Carl Robertson, had lost to Izzy earlier on in his career. I mean, this guy has just fought amazing competition and is not even in his prime. And then you got an opposite. You got Dolidzi, who's just now really coming into his own, obviously being ranked. And that's all been from a hot year last year. And it's been crazy wild wins, crazy knockouts, crazy submissions. So this should be really fun. I mean, Dolizzi has really been on an impressive run. He's proved me wrong in some fights. I just don't see how he's going to be able to beat Marvin, who's fought the top of the division for quite some time. He's just touching the surface of his prime. He was very wrestling heavy and now has really improved his striking. He's durable. He comes at you. He's relentless. It's going to be fun. Now, Marvin trains out of extreme couture. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is 2-2 since 2021. Nine of his 18 wins are via submission. Roman, he's an orthodox fighter. His last three fights have been performance of the night. Seven of his last 12 wins are via knockout. And he did get gold at the 2016 ADCC Asia Trials. So he definitely is a great grappler and showed that for the first time in his last win. But again, unless Roman does some crazy shit and finds a way to get Marvin in some weird submission, leg lock or something like that, I don't believe he's going to be able to outstrike or grapple and out-cardio Marvin in three rounds. It's going to have to be an early finish if he finds a way to do it. I ain't betting on it. I'm taking Marvin. We putting him on our parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Marvin's obviously the favorite. Then we get a very intriguing matchup for the women's UFC. We have Jennifer Maya, 34 years old with a 29 and one record and the number eight next to her name taking on Casey King O'Neill, 25 years old with a nine and record and the number 12 next to her name. Now, we get a veteran in her prime taking on a very promising and young vet in King Casey who hasn't fought since recovering from her knee surgery. She's, she's been on a very impressive run before that surgery. And obviously, the UFC thinks highly of her getting her Jennifer Maya, someone who fought for the title just recently and is still fighting at a very high level. Jennifer has a BJJ, Muay Thai, and boxing background. She trains out of Shootbox Academy. She is an Evicta alum and former champion with two successful title defenses. She's on a one-fight winning streak. She is 2-2 two two since 2021. And, um, you know, one of those is losing against Valentina in her title shot. So uh, you can't really knock her for that one. Casey has a kickboxing background. She trains out of extreme couture. She has a brown belt in BJJ. She was the 2021 Rookie of the Year. She is undefeated on a nine-fight winning streak and is 4-0 in the UFC. And she does have a five-inch reach advantage. Now, this is going to be a tough test for Jennifer, but by far the toughest UFC test for King Casey. I don't know if Casey's going to be able to hang everywhere with Jennifer for three rounds. You know, Jennifer has gone the distance with Manon Fiorot, Caitlin Chukagian, So it'll be interesting to see how Casey does in the biggest moment of her career against a very well-proven veteran. I think Maya is going to be a little relentless to try to showcase that, you know, although you're, you're on your eyes, you're only 25 and you got a lot to learn and uh, coming up from a knee injury and and fighting very stiff competition. That's it's, it's very intriguing where you have someone like Jack shore who's not fighting, you know, high up competition um, for me, I just don't feel confident putting my money on King Casey. I'm, I, I feel pretty good about Jennifer Maya. I've been bit by her before I bet her, uh, on her against Benone Furo. I just don't think Casey's quite at the Furo level. i want to take another dog. I'm taking Jennifer Maya. The dogs are eating. The bread's ready to be made. So we marking her down, and we gain that bread. Moving on. Some motherfucking bangers, man. We got Gunner Gunny Nelson, 34 years old with an 18-5-1 record, taking on Brian Bam Bam Barbarina, 33 years old with an 18-9 record. Now, this is a fun matchup. We get to see Gunner fight somewhat recently for the first time since 2019. He had taken a lot of time off. He fought, I think, late in 2022. And he has taken on very stiff competition and gets the biggest game-ready fighter in tw- since 2022. And bam, bam. Um, since Rodriguez withdrew from this fight, you know, Bam Bam's ready to rock, and it's going to be really fun to see h- how this goes and if Gunner's going to want to square up with him. Now, Gunner has a BJJ background. He's an orthodox fighter. He has a black belt in uh, Goju Ryu Karate and BJJ. He won gold at the 2009 Pan American Gi and No Gi Championships. He's tied with Chris Lytle and Damian Maya for the most submission wins in UFC welterweight history with six. He's on a one-fight winning streak after losing to Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards in 2019. And 12 of his 18 wins are via submission. This so someone the UFC thought very highly of, gave him Gilbert and Leon, didn't get the wins, took some time off. I believe he battled an injury. Now he's back in his prime, trying to make a name for himself and is a big favorite here. Brian has a blue belt in BJJ. Three of his last five fights have been fight of the night. Grab your popcorn because Brian's going to fucking make it a fight. 11 of his 18 wins are via knockout. He is a king of the cage alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is 2-1 two in 2022. Again, this fight's going to be chaos. This could low-key be fight of the night. I don't really know what to think of this fight. You would think that Gunner's going to be more of a well-rounded fighter, but Brian's really improved uh, everywhere. Both men in their primes. Both guys are gamers, but I gotta go with Gunner as he's been fully prepared, while Brian took this late notice. Um, for that reason, I'm putting Gunner on my parlay. We marking that is down, and we getting that bread. Then we have the motherfucking co-main event. Golly! We get Justin the Highlight Gaethje, 34 years old with a 24-4 and record and the number three next to his name, taking on Rafael Adaman Faziv, 30 years old with a 12-1 record and the number six next to his name. Now you want to talk about styles make fights. It's going to be hard to beat this bad boy. Especially, you know, with Justin, his fighting style and how he's really lived up to his nickname as the motherfucking human highlight. He's got multiple fight of the year awards, but the game plans will be interesting. If Justin's smart and wants to get a win to get his career back in title contention, he's going to need this. Make this more of a boring fight with some good wrestling mixed in, much like Michael Chandler. If he turns out to be, if he makes this a kickboxing bout. This is going to be one wild motherfucker. Both men's speed, power, their leg kicks. I could just see leg kick after leg kick. These guys be fucked up. The combinations that are coming, can't wait. Now, Justin has a wrestling background. He has a D1 wrestling background out of the University of Northern Colorado. He earned seventh place in nationals and all American status his junior year. He trains at an elevation fight team. He is a World Series of Fighting alum and former champion with five successful title defenses. He had the most consecutive title defenses at World Series of Fighting with five. The most wins in title bouts with six. The longest lightweight winning streak with ten. And the most knockout wins with nine. He's a former interim lightweight UFC champion. He had the 2017 fight of the year against Michael Johnson the 2018 fight of the year against Dustin Poirier, the 2021 fight of the year against Michael Chandler. Like I said, strap in. It's about to go down. He is on a one-fight losing streak, but has only lost to Khabib and Charles Oliveira, who are both champions since 2018 when he lost to Dustin Poirier. 19 of his 23 wins are via knockout. Two of his four losses are via knockout and two via submission. So he's either finishing or getting finished. Now, Rafael has a Muay Thai background. He trains with killers at Tiger Muay Thai and Kill Cliff FC, also was Sanford. He's a blue belt in BJJ. His last five fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. Again, strap the fuck in. We're about to see fucking chaos. He's on a six fight winning streak. He is a Titan FC alum. Eight of his 12 wins are via knockout. He was the 2021 breakout fighter of the year. He's a three-time Kyrgyzstan Muay Thai champion in 07, 08, and 09. And looking at this, I mean, Faziv is a very talented and amazing fighter. He really is. I've been massively impressed. I don't see how he's going to be more durable than Gaethje in a war though. I also think Gaethje has Trevor in his corner, who is one of the best coaches for game planning. If Justin follows the plan, he mixes in some wrestling. This is his fight to lose. When it comes to striking, I do think Rafael may have the speed advantage. So if he catches Justin, I'm not sure with all the wars that Justin's been in, how many more shots he can take. I do expect Justin to be smart here. He has experience. He's been over emotional. He talked about that in the Charles Oliveira fight where Rafael's full of himself. He's on a winning streak. You know, he had a really good war with RDA in five rounds. Caught him in round round five. But this is the stiffest test to date. And who knows if he's ready for the emotional things that come with a pay-per-view in London, a co-main event. I mean, this is some big-time fucking shit. For that reason, I'm taking Justin Gaethje. We got another underdog. We're making money this weekend. I'm motherfucking telling you, last weekend was a joke. We putting him on our parlay. We it that his stone and we get in that bread. Fired up. Then we have the main event of the evening. We have Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare Uzman, 35 years old with a 20 and 2 record, and the number one next to his name taking on Leon Rocky Edwards, 31 years old with a 20 and three record. I honestly forget that this is a trilogy and not a rematch. Either way, Camaro is still one of the pound for pound greatest fighters to ever step foot in a UFC octagon. He literally just dominated Leon until the final seconds of the fight and people forget he's only 35. He's still in his prime even after all the things that he's accomplished. Now I love Leon Edwards. He's a very worthy opponent. But it's just the wrong place at the wrong fucking time. And he's in his hometown crowd. Now, Kamaru trains at an Elevation Fight Team. Trevor Whitman with the comb the both main events in London and enemy territory. He has a black belt in BJJ. He has a D2 wrestling background out of the University of Nebraska at Kearney. He had a bronze, silver, and gold medal in 2010. He's an Ultimate Fighter, Legacy FC, and RFA alum. He was the Tough 21 champion. He is a former welterweight champion with five successful title defenses. It's weird seeing him back in his green shorts. He's the first Nigerian born UFC champion. He also played in Black Panther. He has the latest knockout in UFC title history against Colby Covington, the most consecutive wins in UFC history with 15. He was the 2021 Fighter of the Year. He had the 2021 KO of the year against Jorge Masvidal. He's on a one-fight losing streak, which ended his 19-fight winning streak. Nine of his 20 wins are via knockout. Now, Leon has a black belt in BJJ. He's the first Jamaican-born UFC champion. He is on a 10-fight winning streak. He did have the no contest there against Bilal Muhammad, but he was in my opinion, easily on his way to beat Bilal Muhammad. So I'm going to give him an 11-fight winning streak. Seven of his 20 wins are via knockout. He had the 2022 knockout of the year against, um, Jorge, or against Kamaru Usman. And he had the 2022 comeback of the year in the same fight. I really do think Leon has some more swagger to him. He's more confident this time around. But I think Leon has awoken even more in the motherfucking Nigerian nightmare. And Kamaru's coming, man. He's going to be relentless in his game plan. And who knows how Leon is going to be able to handle being a champ. All the new fame, the time away from fighting. I honestly think it happened so quick. I am sure he is the best version of himself. But he is not better than Kamaru besides being a faster striker. And as a fighter, if you've competed in any sports and you've been broken like Leon was in the fifth round, that as motivational as that last round, uh, coaching, you know, corner sound bites were Leon was fucking broken. He hadn't been beaten for 20 minutes and he had no idea what to do. He caught him with the head kick that built some confidence. He's got his thing and you have to convince yourself you're the best. But facts are facts, and the nightmare Nigerian nightmare is back. We're taking Camaro. He's getting his throne back. We putting him on our parlay, and we getting that bread. Fuck yeah, London, let's go Saturday. It's about to go down. And then next week, we get a deep, I mean deep, UFC fight night card in San Antonio. Texas always brings it just like London brings it. And we have more bantamweight flair to showcase. Marlon Vera, Corey Sanhager, I'm assuming winner gets the machine. It's a 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Standard Time start. Then there's no UFC the weekend following to start April before another pay-per-view Saturday. UFC 287, get your fight fix in. It's about to go down. Rebranding coming soon. New backdrop next week. See you next week.